is up on my podcast of listeners. This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski. And I'm excited about today's episode because we are going to go into part five of the 10 exercises everyone should be doing. And when I first started this little series, I did not think that this was going to be this long and have multiple parts, but uh, you and I both know that I ramble a lot and I have a lot to say and, you know, sometimes that's a good thing because now you guys have a lot more to work with Um, and my my quality of the screen is terrible. I need a new MacBook, Um, but we're going to jump right into it. Um, For those who are listening, 100% you should be watching this episode because it's going to be a lot of demos and for those who just maybe started listening to my show and you're like holy shit part five in the description of the episode I'm going to have part four three two and one and essentially this whole series has been the 10 exercises that I tend to do with every single person, but I've been kind of categorizing them into, um, core exercises, hip hinge exercises, knee dominant exercises, things like that, to kind of give you a category and show you how I progress, regress and lateralize with, uh, clients. So, um, we're going to jump right into it and we are going to go into pressing today. So one, the thing with pressing, I'm going to say this right now. Um, most people tend to have shoulder issues. So I'm very careful with what type of pressing exercises I give. So we're going to look at the horizontal pressing motion compared to vertical, AKA going above your head. Cause one, Overhead mobility is a huge thing for most people that they don't have. And then placing a weight on top of shoulders that can barely move is a bad idea. So when I tend to work with people, um, a lot of them have some sort of shoulder issue, past experience of, um, you know, an injury or some weird thing that flares up. So what I tend to do with those people is I simply do a floor press and um, I'm gonna tell you why I also throw in the glute bridge here in a second. But if you look at the nature of the um, floor press, you're limited by the floor for depth. And a lot of times when you're dealing with someone's shoulder, and this is gonna be a good example here, I'm gonna pause it. So I'm literally stopped by the floor to go any further. And most people's shoulders, when you go past a certain point, it starts kind of poking forward. And now I have all the stress built up on the anterior part of my shoulder, which is not going to feel good. So if you take that average person that tends to be here and again, no one's perfect. Like, you know, I've experimented, like I have really good shoulders and I've experimented with going into a uh, dumbbell bench press as low as possible and try to hold it and, you know, isometrically load all the tissues here. And I quickly f- found out that this stuff started getting really sore and I'm like, okay, well, maybe my shoulders are not that great that I thought of. So um, you have to be really careful with how far you go into certain ranges. And in this case, I found that almost 99% of the time, 
doing a floor press on someone with a shitty shoulder tends to work. And going back to that example of most people being here, and I'm going to take two dumbbells or one dumbbell and go as low as possible. You can already see my shoulder popping forward, right? So it's finding that range where the shoulder doesn't pop forward because of the lack of mobility. Now, even then, sometimes I'll get people when I get, um, uh, the floor press involved, they still feel the shoulder kind of achy, clicky, whatever it is. So then you kind of find that angle. So if I show my shoulder, if I go here coming down, that requires a lot more range of motion through that glenohumeral joint. But as I start going lower, the shoulder kind of falls into a better position. So a lot of it is like, I'm going to show it on this side. A lot of it is just like finding the angle of pressing that has the least amount of, you know, you going against the green essentially and finding that position that feels the greatest and then pressing from there. And that's a simple like little assessment you could do um, on yourself or even your client or your friend, like literally take their arm and move it to see where the shoulder kind of naturally falls into a better position. <sighs> now floor press is good to go. Let's talk about why I have people in the glute bridge. At the end of the day, when I'm working with people, no matter what their goal is, they want to look better, right? They want to burn calories. They want to do that. So I tend to kind of layer on top a simple isometric glute bridge because one, when I start with somebody they have no idea how to activate their glutes, uh, they have a really weak posterior chain and I'm also in their program. And this is how my programming kind of works. It kind of layers on top of each other. Because when I have someone coming in for the first time, usually I give them a floor press if I have a pressing exercise, but I'm also working on their deadlift pattern. So their hip hinge. So in the same workout, they're going to have some sort of hip hinge deadlift thing. So if I'm trying to emphasize them learning how to properly hip hinge, I'm also going to try to layer other exercises that's going to feed into that system AKA I'm going to be doing a glute bridge isometrically. So they get the idea of hip extension and lockout and utilizing those glutes. But sometimes again, because this is, this is where I'm going to go into rent where assessments play a huge role. If I have someone so deconditioned, so like I haven't worked out in 12 years and I have like zero strength, probably putting them into a floor press with a glute bridge is going to look terrible. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, putting their hips down onto the ground and just doing a floor press. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Now, after that, let's get into our next exercise. Another thing I really like using for pressing um, is the cable machine. And the reason behind this, and kind of goes back to my previous comment about um, layering things. So in this case, I have a half kneeling single arm cable chest press. Now I want to pause it here. Actually, maybe I'm going to keep it going because I'm going to probably switch sides and it's going to look a lot better. So in this case, in a half kneeling position, number one, there's no way to cheat. Like, there's no way. <laughs> um, 
Second, half kneeling position helps build a lot of hip stability and core stability at the same time. And those are the two things that people desperately need when they start training. And well, that's a good face that I just like paused on. That's solid. There you go. <laughs> um, those two things will transfer over to other things down the road. And I haven't met a, someone yet where I'm like, bam, your core stability and hip stability are like so good. You don't have to work on anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these are the things that people tend to overlook. And even if I had a crossfitter that's really high end of an athlete or a high level dancer, whatever it is, like they all could work on a little bit more hip and core stability to ensure that that can transfer over to their sport. So if I had someone in this position and I really wanted to challenge them, this foot that's in front of me, I'm going to try to make it in line with this knee. And now I have my base of support is super narrow and I have to really work hard to ensure that I don't fall over. So what does that do? This hip has to work really, really, really hard in order to press. Now, the other reason why I like the cable machine is I also kind of have control of how far back I go. And it's also kind of a narrow press. You don't see me kind of going out to the side. So I've had people with, you know, shoulder issues and I just tell them just like go into a narrow position and they're like, okay, yeah, this feels really good. So I kind of progress people in positions as well. Like I rather give them an exercise that focuses solely on a position where it feels pain-free to also teach the nervous system that, hey, when we press with your shoulder that's had issues in the past, you don't have to constantly have that emergency break on and you know, constantly be high alert and super stressed to keep me safe, right? So we're trying to feed your system, your body, that everything that you're doing in the gym is a safe environment. So then you can kind of back off being super tense and trying to protect us from, you know, some imaginary painful pattern. But those two are kind of where I kind of lead into um, pressing. Now, since we're kind of on the topic of shoulder stuff. I also really like the half kneeling landmine press. Can't spell today. Come on, internet. Oh yeah, look at this hair. I can miss my long hair. So half kneeling landmine press. When it comes to shoulder stuff, like I said, most people don't have enough shoulder flexion actively and most likely have some sort of mobility restrictions. Um, putting a dumbbell or kettlebell overhead is probably not going to be the best thing for them or for yourself because you're just loading load on dysfunction essentially. And I hate that word, but you kind of get the idea. So in the nature of the landmine um, press, you're now pressing on a 45 degree angle. Now you can make the argument like, oh, I should just take a dumbbell and press 45. But the nature of how the dumbbell is um, loaded, you have all this anterior load here. Whereas with the landmine, you have the load on an angle. Like it's not just 
I don't know why I'm pointing at it. Uh, it's not just here. The weight is distributed all the way down into the anchor point of where you have the landmine attached. So if you go off of that logic and biomechanically, it's a little bit better for your shoulder. The other thing that I really love about the landmine is you can load it really heavy. So I've had guys in the past that still think they're college studs and want to lift heavy, but their shoulders are shit. So the landmine is kind of one of those things where let's place a 45 on it. Let's put two 45 pound plates on there and you can get really, really challenged with it. Now, the other thing I really love about the landmine when it comes to pressing is the moment I get to my end range, like I am here, the weight now has to be stabilized by my shoulder blade because if I press and it starts going this way or this way, all of this stuff in here has to stabilize that weight at the very end. Now, this becomes like a strength rehab exercise, but really it's just the nature of how the barbell is position that gives you that stimulus so this becomes a really great exercise for people who want to press who have shitty shoulders i'm just going to finish this video because i also like to reminisce about my long hair that i kind of want to do again but uh from there say i have someone progressing very very well when it comes to their shoulders, and I want to start introducing um, pressing. Uh, da, 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 da. I like to go into a bottoms up press. Now, the reason behind this is the moment I have a weight like the kettlebell upside down requires a lot of stability work like a lot and when the shoulder has something to stabilize against it's going to put itself in a better position as i'm trying to press so sometimes what i'll do is maybe not even go all the way above the head just like in this video i might just go to here and then back down here and then back down and eventually end up going into the full lockout position. I tend to do this before trying, um, you know, any kind of press overhead with a dumbbell. Um, it just tends to work a little bit better. And when it comes to overall strength, like just general strength, a lot of people lack the stability in order to get those higher numbers. So a lot of times working on a lighter weight that requires more stability will give you that overall strength. And like this comes down to also programming. Like if I'm training like someone three days a week, maybe one day is a strict, you know, dumbbell overhead press for like four to five reps heavy. Then the next day is a half kneeling uh, bottoms up press that's lighter and requires a lot of stability. And then the other third day i'm doing a landmine press because maybe the person's goal is like i really want to press like 135 on the barbell overhead because i just feel strong when i do it or it was something that they used to do and they want to be able to do it again then that becomes a whole challenge of creativity and programming right so this is where my kind of thought process goes so from there if i were to choose another pressing um 
variation of getting overhead eventually is getting into you know a dumbbell press you can go half kneel tall kneel you can go double um shoulder press and that's the other thing too is I tend to stay away from doing dumbbell presses out here because I haven't had a lot of success with general population clients pressing wide and maintaining that position. Um, again, it's something I can like try again because I haven't done in years, but time and time again, I've had people try to press out this way and things just tend to fall apart. So I tend to go two dumbbells or one dumbbell neutral and then press. It just tends to work a little bit better. The one thing that I will say is a kettlebell shoulder press when you have it in the front rack position and then you kind of turn to press seems like a little bit more of a natural thing for most people because when you think about our shoulder joint really likes rotation. So if I have a kettlebell here and then I'm rotating my whole one wrist forearm going into extension, my shoulder tends to flow a little bit better. The thing that I have started using that I absolutely love is a palm press and it's only been recently that i've been throwing this in with clients and it's been working really really well and there's a couple of reasons so number one when you look at this video you can see the nature of how the kettlebell is placed on my palm and the little handle is on my forearm there's a couple of reasons why you do this a lot of times especially with women when you look at wrist structure they tend to have this bone here on the wrist stick out a little bit more than men so when we start pressing overhead with women we have the bell sitting here and sometimes because you know we start off lighter and those lighter bells are smaller and the bell portion tends to go a little bit higher so it kind of hits this and i tell people like you can move this all over but sometimes it just you can't find the right position so the easy way of doing it is putting the um, kettlebell in your palm and now you have a kind of a palm press and that tends to work the other reason why this is really awesome there's a huge stability component because you're like, holy shit, I'm not actually grabbing this. And even if you're trying to like grab it, it's not going to feel stable. There's a point where it kind of feels like it might fall. So you're actually going really slow, kind of like a bottoms up press. So you're, you know, um, stabilizing it. So now the shoulder is working a little bit harder. Now, the other thing too, is if you look at my video of how I'm pressing, I'm constantly looking at it and if you look at my rib cage, it's actually flaring out to the side and then coming back down to neutral. I am not opposed to that because traditionally when I worked with kettlebells, it's like stack, 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 stack. But there's something, you know, deep in our DNA that when we would go reach for something, like our rib cage can tilt into lateral flexion to grab something. Or are you trying to climb something? So if you try this at home, you're naturally going to want to tilt. It's like, it's rooted in our DNA for some reason. Like when I kind of expose myself to this, I didn't even think of it, but I think there's something to like us reaching and grabbing and having that lateral tilt and training in those positions. So something to play around with and something I've been thinking about, but that's essentially some progressions going into um, overhead pressing that I tend to use, but there's also so many other variations when it comes to just horizontal, um, 
pressing. And I know I said that I'm going to just do horizontal pressing in this video, but we're kind of jumping all over the place. But um, something I want to bring up is kind of the progressions of pressing horizontally. Um, I really like after, uh, let's see if this is going to pop up. Say I have someone doing a basic dumbbell bench press and we've done it for four to you know eight weeks. Something I like to do to kind of add a little flair or spice to it, as I as people say, is an alternating dumbbell bench press. The reason why I like throwing an alternating dumbbell bench is the moment you have one coming down, one you're stabilizing the top one for it not to you know veer off into space and time but the moment you come down your core now has to stabilize you as you're trying to press up and then do the same thing on the other side so it's more of a stability and challenge more so than a strength challenge and again remember what i said about trying to improve overall strength you need to also work on stability quite a bit so that's you know one way of doing it. The other uh, progression that I go from here that I absolutely love doing with clients is a seesaw press. I feel like I need to update this video because this is old. <laughs> so same position, similar to an alternating press, but the moment I'm at the bottom, I'm already pressing with the other one. So it's a lot of rotary stability that requires um, a lot of stabilization. So something like this, and like you can even see how my feet are really trying to like stabilize my body without you know falling, is a great way to challenge stability a lot. Um, and then the same thing uh, kind of goes towards, you know, putting yourself on an incline, putting yourself um, on a decline bench. Like there's so many different variations. Like even this one here, you can go into a half kneeling shoulder press that's, um, you know, in a seesaw position. I've also done presses, both flat bench, incline bench, decline bench, where I'm holding one at the bottom isometrically and then the other one's pressing. Or same idea is the top one is holding and then I'm just pressing with the bottom one. Like there's the world is your oyster when it comes to these kind of pressing movements. Um, so you kind of like you can pick whatever you kind of want. Um, that's pretty much it when it comes to pressing. Like I know there's so many different other variations. But the one thing I will say is I haven't really had a lot of people press with a barbell overhead. Um, one, sometimes it comes down to just logistics in the gym. Like, do you have a squat rack available at all times to place a barbell, load the plates on to press overhead? Um, the other, you know, um, thing to that equation is um, the mobility and stability like i get more bang for my buck being able to press one kettlebell or one dumbbell overhead and then moving on to another exercise than constantly worrying about a barbell i just feel like you can get a lot more done with a different tool than just a barbell and 
it just requires more prerequisites because it's a fixed um, instrument than say a kettlebell. But um, since we're doing kind of good on time, I'm gonna get into um, maybe squats. I think we touched on this a little bit, but um, something that I wanna bring up with squats is this is primarily based on the assessment. Like, I feel like I need to do another episode on why assessments are so, so vital. Um, I might actually do an entire assessment with the wife to showcase how to find a good squat position. But um, the thing that we need to go over um, is kind of prerequisites for squatting. Uh, so the one thing that I do in my mentorship is we go over um, kind of like progressions and regressions of um, each exercise. And a lot of times when it comes to um, training, you'll get people of all different shapes, sizes, and things like that. So I always try to get people in my mentorship problem solving. So one of the questions I always bring up is like, okay, say the barbell back squat is the end all be all. And that is the hardest thing in this category of exercises dealing with the squat. If you had someone coming off a hip replacement surgery and you need to get them squatting again, what would be like a level zero exercise and then you start seeing people really think they're like oh shit like how do i make a squat really really easy and they're like okay well maybe like some assistance maybe some sort of like holding on to the wall and i'm like you're on the right track but sometimes you need to build the pattern before you load your system so this is a, something i stole from dan john when he had a hip replacement and his surgeon was like, you're never going to barbell squat again. So he got himself into a quadruped position. But if you can tell, like my wife's knees are a lot wider than, you know, if you're going into like a bird dog position and she's keeping her spine neutral as she's pushing back into um, hip flexion. So if you look at it from like, if you tilt your whole phone, laptop, tablet, whatever you're looking at, this is a squat. So if I had someone with a hip thing, hip replacement, I want to teach the nervous system, the pattern again, in a safe environment. And this tends to be very pain-free. So now we're teaching the body how to get into a squat position without harm. And that's going to be a precursor to everything else that we do. So after I do that, I like to go into um, assisted squats. So a lot of times when well, I don't even have the video for it, Let's see if I have, all right, well, we're not gonna show that video, but um, I always will use a TRX holding onto the handle and then going into squat position because now I am loading my body uh, vertically, compressional forces um, by holding a TRX or even holding the edge of a, um, 
it's called the squat rack can give me a little bit more stability to, you know, challenge my body a little bit more before I start loading it. And then from there, we'll go into a goblet squat. Um, there it is. So I tend to use the goblet squat a lot with people. And it's like a staple that I always use because it is a self-correcting movement. So because I have the load anteriorly, it promotes my torso to stay upright. If I'm holding something like this that's heavy, the last thing my body wants to do is fall into this position. So naturally your body's going to get into a more optimal position while squatting. Now, a lot of people look at the goblet squat as like a beginner exercise, but I always make the argument that I could probably take the strongest guy in the gym, give him a hundred pound dumbbell and tell him to squat down eccentrically for four seconds, hold the bottom for four seconds and shoot up as fast as possible and do 10 reps of that. That would smoke them so quick and they'll be like, wow, this is the hardest squat that I've ever done in my life. So if you are currently listening, doing goblet squats, I highly recommend you try to do that where you take the heaviest dumbbell you can hold on to eccentrically. So for four seconds, you go one, Mississippi, two, Mississippi, three, Mississippi, four, hold the bottom for one, Mississippi, two, Mississippi, three, Mississippi, four, and then shoot up and like aim for 10 reps. You'll be surprised how much your legs are gonna get smoked from just doing that. That being said, all the exercises that we just went on, as things get easier, you should be challenging yourself in different tempos. Like maybe you don't do an eccentric, maybe you hold the bottom of a squat, bottom of a split squat, the bottom of a deadlift for four seconds and then shoot up. Or the, say in this case, the squat, you going up concentrically you're going as slow as possible and then doing a descent at a normal pace. Like tempo is something that people don't really play around with enough. I don't think they just tend to like, I'm doing bicep curls and going back down, bicep curls and going back down. And that doesn't really give you enough stimulus because your body can adapt pretty quickly. Um, I tend to go from the goblet squat into like two dumbbells here, but I tend to now rotate the dumbbells here because a lot of people will rest that on their shoulders. I like it this position here because it also isometrically loads your biceps. So for dudes, that's a great variation. Um, I honestly don't do back squats with a lot of people. Like right now in my client load, um, I have one person doing it and she's been with me for the last 10 years. And she has a lot of the prerequisites in order to do it. I actually have a client right now that's coming to me pr primarily for uh, kin stretch, but the workouts that they're doing requires a lot of barbell stuff, including the back squat, which is completely kind of destroying their low back and hip and SI joint. So right now what we're kind of focusing on is building better hips, building better functioning um, core stability in order to do those things. Um, so sometimes it's like, if I have someone wanting to do it, let's just like create the prerequisites for that. 
and maybe I can even go into part six of this series looking at um, the kin stretch movements that I do with everybody that you should be doing as well. And I think that would be a good way to kind of finish this thing off because we kind of went through core, um, pressing today, squatting today, um, pulling last time, deadlifts, lunges. I can't remember if I said core exercises, but I think we covered quite a bit of stuff. So maybe the last part of the series will be all the mobility things from Kim Stretch that I use with people and kind of finish it off there. But um, let's kind of stop the screen share and finish up. So um, I spoke a lot. Um, there's a lot of stuff in here. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, more than happy to answer your questions. Really happy that I got back into this because I kind of fell off with some other ideas and episodes I had. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. That's it for me. Till next time.